Praise Him. Well, let's go ahead and dive into today's message. And we have a very special dedication. We have a lot of very special dedications today at the end. So you can all start waving at me and hitting your watches at 1130 and make sure that we transition into that because we have five babies and child today to four and babies and a child today to dedicate unto the Lord. But before we do that, I just have it on my heart. And, you know, I, I went back and reread last year's Mother's Day message. Man, I was, I was so tempted just to pull that thing out and preach it again. Man, that thing was so good. I, if I have to say so myself, I mean, I told my wife, my wife's like, yeah, oh, man. She's like, I'm still thinking about last year's Mother's Day's message. I tell you, it was, um, I said, yeah, can I, can I come to the women's retreat in October and preach it to the ladies? I said, T.D. Jakes does that. Can I, can I do that? And um, she said, yes, so we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I was serious, but I mean, I don't joke. But I'm not. I'm not going to preach that message, even though it was, I felt it was empowering for our mothers last year. What I want to talk to us today, we're going to go a little bit broader today. And I want to take just the next 30 minutes, and I want to encourage and really challenge the family unit. I mean, just the idea of family, the idea of the family unit, the idea of the church of being the family of God, the idea of family being on mission. And this can be a applied in many different ways, whether we're here as families with young children. You know, there's, there's children that are still in our home. Some of us already have the chillins that have moved on. Some of us now, the, you know, our, our main family is the house of God. But being Mother's Day and really giving it some emphasis, we're going to talk about that, that home family union, you know, instituted By God, male and female, brought together, commanded to go forth and be fruitful and multiply and raise up godly families all over the earth. And, you know, I'm going to read an interesting scripture to to get us going here today. And it's one that you don't normally have on a Mother's Day. It's more of a, we think of it as a, a marriage scripture, but it says in Mark Chapter 10, verses 7 through 8. Mark 10, 7 through 8. It says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And I, I love that word, and we won't get stuck here, but that word, hold fast. It makes me think about my wife. And I'm sure at some point, if I still don't tell her, sometimes I've said, you're stuck with me. (laughs) Amen. Can any husband look at their wife and mother and say, you're stuck with me? Because that's actually what hold fast, what that that phrase right there, hold fast, actually means. It's, It's actually literally means to be glued to. So sweetheart, when I say you're stuck with me, I'm actually being serious. I'm, you're stuck, and I'm stuck with you, and you're stuck with me, and we're stuck with one another. But in the context of today, and we look at the marriage union between a, a man 
in a woman. And what we can see is the fullness of God being revealed through the two becoming one. And what I mean by that is when God ordained a, the human family, it was clearly determined that it was not good for man to be alone. Can all the men in the house say amen? amen. Now all the women in the house say a louder amen. amen. You can look at your husband, you can look at your children, you can tell them you need me. Uh, y'all y'all going to have to play along a little bit better than that in, in a little bit. But we need, we need one another. It wasn't good that man was alone. But here's something else, and here might be a new thought for you. But when God created man and he created woman, there was something that was, that was going to happen when the two became one. Because you've got to remember that both man and woman both being made in the image of God. Yes, man made from the dirt of the earth and woman taking from, taken from the rib of man. But at the end of the day, the product that God created and breathed life into was in the image of God. So that means all the, the masculine features that we often take pride in as men and, and maybe not as much as the maternal, motherly, characteristics as a mom, but both the masculinity and the the maternal motherly nature are both from our creator. Amen. Amen. It's not that God is God is masculine and and you know and doesn't really identify with the woman. No, the woman, the mother, the maternal nature was actually taken from the image of God. God has both the responsibilities of the fatherly characteristics in our lives as well as the maternal motherly characteristics in our lives. That's why it doesn't matter if you at a young age, whether you, you suffer the loss of a parent, either father or mother, that's why Jesus is able to come and step in and Jesus is able to come and meet that need or, or otherwise the Lord would be like, oh, well, I can meet the need of a lost father, but I don't really know what to do with the loss of a mother. But that's obviously not the case. All those features, when a man and a woman, and they come together in the union of matrimony, we then have all of God that is sort of converged into this one new person, this one new family. You know, our Heavenly Father expresses both fatherly and motherly maternal love for His sons and His daughters. And as the Creator and the source of all good things, and obviously godly parents... A godly family is certainly a good thing. Can somebody say amen? amen? You know, the oneness of marriage is expressed in many different ways, but there's, there's probably no greater expression than with the conception and the birth and the, the entrance of our, of our children into this world. And, and that's also expressed in the family of God with the birth of new believers constantly coming into the family of God, the new birth. There's no better way to, to spice up 
a family or a household than by bringing new life into it. Amen. All the, all the new mommies and new families in, in the house that are being reminded of that in the last three to four months say amen. Right? When you think, I mean, me and my wife, obviously we're on number seven, but we, you know, and I, of course I say that my, my new children, they meet me at two years old. That's not completely true statement with Elias and Seth and maybe Annabelle, maybe a little bit more true with the first four, but with the last three, I've done a little better, but <laughs> hey, you know, we, we pride ourselves in, um, in authenticity here and transparency, but, but one thing that's been interesting is with number seven is just the number of areas that I'm even hearing Christina saying, she's like, man, I'm learning how to do this finally. I'm finally getting this with, I'm doing it right finally with this one. So, so our conclusion is, is that all of us only need to have seven children. <laughs> at least, I mean, at least you can go, you can go higher if you like. And you say, oh, but we're, we're finished, you know, giving birth. Well, there's, yeah, there's always adoption and, and fostering and all. <laughs> we get about halfway amen on that one. But the expression of bringing children into the family, the family of God, the family unit flourishing as a result of the loving impartation of a godly father and a godly mother has always been God's strategy, his strategic plan for fulfilling his purposes upon this earth. You see, I myself, and, and there'll be a little bit of my own opinion mixed in with today's message, and you'll have to kind of discern that a little bit as we go. And I'm going to read you a scripture, what Paul said about that in Philippians 3.17. He says, brothers, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern, as you have us for a pattern. And there's one other passage that I might have slipped my notes here. Man, I hope it didn't. It might have slipped my notes. Oh, here it is right here at the beginning. I missed it. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Listen to this. This is a powerful passage. It says, We are gentle among you as, nursing, as a nursing mother nurtures her own child. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share not only the gospel, but also our own lives because you had become so dear to us. And I want you to see the, what the different aspects of this passage. He's talking about the care. This is the apostle Paul preaching to the church and writing to the church in Thessalonica. He says that because of my care, so there was this God-given care that he placed on side of him for the people of God. He says, because of our care, we preach to you. We preach the gospel. We preach the word of God. We preach Christ. But he says, but not only do we preach, and then he separated, he said, we share our lives. We share our lives. The sharing of a life is separate and unique than just the preaching of the gospel. We have to preach Christ, but then we have to be an example. 
And we have to walk with one another. And we have to, we have to as Paul said in that Philippian scripture, we have to be patterns. Everybody say patterns. patterns. We're all looking for patterns to follow. We're all looking for godly, scriptural patterns to actually follow. Not that if we follow this cookie cutter pattern, it's going to produce the exact same result. But there are biblical truths and principles and patterns that if we implement within our families and our lives and our businesses and our communities, if we implement these patterns and these, these scripturally centric ideals, they do produce godly fruit in our life. Could look a little different, could smell a little different, be different sizes, but yet producing the same type of fruit. On that note, I am an advocate. I am an advocate of getting our families on mission. Everybody say that with me. Say, get my family on mission. That is our household families. That is our church families. Getting our families on Christ-centric, biblical, eternally-minded mission. I am a huge advocate of this. And, And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, it says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what shall a man gain in return for his soul. And, and obviously this is scripture is directly speaking to salvation and nothing and all the money in the world cannot buy a salvation. And I, I had one of uh, just such a precious moment on what, when, when was I speaking Thursday? So this was Friday and I got to remember what kid this was because I was sort of busy on Friday, been busy the last few days. And on Thursday night, I said to the kids, I said, if Elon Musk gave you all his money and walked up and about a handful of the kids knew they're like, ooh, that's a lot of money. I said, if he gave you all the money in the world and you can do whatever you want with it, I said, but the only, the only thing was is that you would be the only person in all the world. You could have all the money, but you're the only one with all the money in the world. I said, would that be valuable to you? And they started going around. They started scratching their head. And they, they were like, oh, and the point that we were making in that context on Thursday night is that heaven isn't about golden streets or mansions or, you know, all these things. Heaven is about the presence of the Lord. You take the presence of God, you take the presence of Jesus out of heaven, and then what really becomes our motivation to be in eternity for eternity? And in a, in a similar way, we start to talk about if you have all the, all the wealth and all the provision, all the fame in the world and how all of that, all the power, all the recognition, maybe a big business, maybe a big ministry, maybe a big family, you have all that in the world, but, but either we ourselves don't find salvation or in this context today, we don't prioritize and lead our families in the way of eternal salvation, then what profit or benefit is any of it? Now, put a little asterisk there. Yes, every child, every husband, every wife, every person that we know has to make their own decision. Amen? 
And we can't live our life in, under guilt if we do what we're supposed to do and be those examples and those leaders and those under our tutelage still decide on their own to not follow the ways of God. But it is to say this, that a family mission in the context of what we're talking about today is is putting at the center the things that should be the most important in our lives. Putting right there and making that which should be priority, priority. Obviously, with my wife, if we, my life, my family, look at our example. It's obvious we prioritize, you know, walking with the Lord and we prioritize ministry. And I could say, you know, maybe I'm a third the way in and there's some success that is being had, but there's still a long road ahead. Amen. But yet I'm prioritizing. If you talk to any one of our our family and our children, you're going to get a similar version of what life in mission is all about. Doesn't mean that every one of my children are going to be in in ministry. Doesn't mean that we're all going to do the exact same thing. But we all prioritize the same things in life. Whether you're medical, I was talking to Christine, I said, man, because we're in, you know, we're searching with some of our, we've never been big medical people, and we're trying to find, you know, certain providers. And I said, I said, sweetheart, what we really need is a, a medical missioned family that is out there. And I know we got Amelia, I'll mess with Emilio here in a minute. We get a family and, you know, you got the doctor, you get the nurse, and you get the eye doctor and raise up a kid to be the dentist. And somebody else can be the, the holistic care person and somebody else can be the naturopath and get this whole family on mission to build this medical, you know, facility and then offer it all at very affordable rates. And everybody said, Amen. what's that have to do with anything? I don't know. I just thought it was fun to, to think about. I wanted a one-stop shop. (laughs) Ministry, medical, business, whatever it might be in our life. Getting our family on the mission of number one, being Christ. This requires the training of our families. Now, jokingly, and and first in Proverbs, we know Proverbs 22.6 says, if you train up a child in the way... You want them to go when they are old, they'll not depart from it. Well, jokingly, you know, of course, many of our wives would say, oh, yeah, I've been, I've been training my husband for 20 years. <laughs> right? Is that, have you ever heard your wife say that? If you haven't heard your wife say that, don't worry. She's telling other people. <laughs> I know my wife's been, been saying that for 20-plus for 20, 20 years. But, but secretly, and a little bit more covertly, I've been training her. Over? Oh, it's overtly? <laughs> I thought it was, co- it's, it's probably way too overtly, huh? You see, and that's the funny thing is I think it's, I'm being covert. Like my mom always told me and probably more my grandmother, they said, boy, Jamie, you were never good at keeping a secret. <laughs> you just get yourself in trouble and you do it openly. We have to be training ourselves We have to be training our families. We have to be training one another in the ways of godliness. What it means on this beautiful Mother's Day, what it means to be a godly mother. 
course, Father Day's coming up, I think June 19th, but what it means, and we'll talk more about fathers on that day, but what it means to be a godly father. And I mean, this is constant, constant training, constant input, constant attention in putting forth the energy and the effort that is required in Titus chapter 1 and verse 6, just the just the end of that passage, of course, the context of that, that chapter is talking to elders. But within that context, it says, whose children are well trained. Whether it be in ministry, whether it be in medical, as we said, whether it be in any sort of field, that we are working on getting our families on mission. And everybody said... What voices do we follow with so many voices out there in the world? Paul, the apostle, in that passage we already read once, and I'll read it just one more time for us. says, brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have a pattern from us. You see, our families... Our communities, how we live and act and what we do in our homes and when, when the masses aren't looking, those who are close to us, they're going to mimic our lives in one fashion or another. What parents emphasize is going to be noticed by their children. Now, remember, before I say some things I'm about to say, that if I don't say them, then who will? Somebody, one more person say amen. amen. All right. We say that we're following the Lord. We say that Jesus is the most important person in our life, but sometimes our actions tell a different story. We can tell our kids all day long that church life and community life is a vital aspect of our walk with the Lord. But when we prioritize all sorts of other practices and our parties or outings or fishings or sports or the list is just forever goes on. All the kids and all those who are watching us are learning is what is really important to us and not maybe what we're saying is not quite as important as what we're saying it is. Even today in our modern world, the online, the stream, and the opportunities we have to connect in so many different ways cannot replace coming together and rubbing elbows and sweating together and frustrating each other together. It's easy. You notice how you don't get nearly as frustrated over Zoom or as over a YouTube meeting as you do when you're sitting in the room with somebody. Iron sharpening iron requires that, that iron to be hitting one another. Getting in and under and into the mission of the house, the mission within your house. If we're trying to teach our kids or those whom we're discipling to be kind, 
to be forgiving, to be patient. But all they see is fighting and unforgiveness and bitterness and backtalk and gossip. Then, of course, those whom we're trying to communicate one mission and priority of life is learning something completely different from us. As parents, it is difficult. It is difficult as mothers and fathers, pastors and leaders. It is difficult. I would even near say impossible to impart character traits and characteristics within our families that we do not possess ourselves. We have to possess these important qualities in increasing measures. You're not going to be, you're not going to have graduated in these areas. None of us will for the the duration of our life. But what the word of God does tell us to do is to have these character traits and characteristics in increasing measures in your life. You're a little bit further along today than you were last week or last month or whatever the last metric you took on it. We're moving forward in our walk with Christ. All of our families, again, the individual members, have to make each of our own decisions at some point in our life. But by the grace of God, many people find their way with Jesus still in spite of some of the things they encountered in their upbringing. And everybody say, thank you, Jesus. That even means in spite of some of our parenting. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Come on, we can, we can give a little here. Let's, I'm, I'm giving it, I'm dishing it pretty good, but let's, let's take a little. Even where we mess up and even where we, we're overbearing and we exasperate and we, we lose our temper, there is but the grace of God. Amen. Somebody say amen. Give me a little bit better than that. Amen. We are to help by providing restraints. I believe every family mission, every family unit from husband to wife to children. And, and what I'm learning, and I'm in a learning season with, with my children now entering, some of my elder children entering adulthood, how these restraints actually work sort of both ways in a family unit. When they're younger, when Christians are babies, their restraints are more sort of one-directional. In Samuel, it says in chapter 1 Samuel chapter 3, 13, it says that because he failed to restrain his sons. You see, a healthy measure of restraint, not exasperation, not overbearing, not, you know, we got a lot of other words I'm sure we could use. But restraining When they're young, our children, spouses helping to restrain one another. As children grow older, they begin to hold parents even accountable in restraints from things that they have spoken and have said are important to them. 
And I'm learning that with my kids. Oh, but dad, mom, you, you say this. And that restraint starts going both ways. You see, if we do a good job at training up our families and, and we, do a, we do an adequate job of training up the house of God, the accountability is both welcomed and happens bi-directional continually. Hear me today. We're talking about, in a very broad aspect, the family unit and getting on mission. Because we, the people of God, we have the advantage. The house of God, we have an advantage. Having the gospel of grace, having the power of the Holy Spirit, having the word of God. And we have to use this advantage to, to get ahead and to live a life of purpose and of true value and giving our children and those whom we are imparting into their life a true jump in life. If we see fruit that we do not like, We need to be the first to take ownership. We need to recognize it. And it's one of the, the most horrifying things as a parent when the kids get old enough and start displaying characteristics that, that you start to realize you don't like until the day that you realize, wow, they're just me. <laughs> they're, they're just being me. Identical. Or even better yet, for and I'll speak from a husband's perspective, when your wife looks at you and gives you the grand revelation, they're your son or your daughter. They're your children. And, of course, I let it ricochet right back. <laughs> but when we see fruit that we don't like, starting in our own lives and in our children's lives, let us be the first to step up and take responsibility. Let us acknowledge, there's, again, it's never too late to start again. You can always continue and or restart the training process. We don't linger in the days gone by, but we fix our eyes ahead on the prize. We don't, we don't hold ourselves back with, oh, I wish I could have yesterday Yesteryears have done X, Y, Z. We leave those things along. If you need to find forgiveness, well, then find forgiveness. If you need to offer forgiveness, then offer forgiveness. But let's get unstuck from the patterns of the past and let's move forward into the promises of tomorrow. Just because... When we talk about the voices, who to listen to, and we're looking for patterns to follow. One of the greatest pieces of advice that I have personally ever received on in this topic, on this topic, is a gentleman that looked at me years ago. We had probably one child at the time, and he looked at me and he said, he said, Jamie, he was a pastor, and he said, Jamie, he said, make sure that you only listen to and follow the counsel of those people 
who are producing the type of fruit in their life that you desire to produce in your life and in your family. And to me, that solves so many questions of the voices of who I should be listening to. Just because somebody has a loud mouth and a lot of opinions and the desire to share all of them with you doesn't make their counsel good or godly. We have YouTube to prove that point, as well as all the other avenues. But the people who we can see the fruit that's being born in their life. I have learned over the years that oftentimes good counsel is quiet counsel until it is sought after. People who have the best things to perhaps impart and direct into your life are probably going to be the least proactive until there is a hunger and a desire and a following to get that information to impart into their life. Don't throw your pearls to the swine. Learn where to get our counsel starting, of course, with the word of God and the moving of the Holy Spirit. I am aware that it's at 1130, so nobody throws anything at me. We all knew that I wasn't going to stop at 1130. We're almost there. The role of a godly man and a godly woman, a father and a mother, to be leaders in their home and not just in their communities. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 14, then we drop down to 17. It says, for the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife. And the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. In verse 17, it says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, into which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Leading the life that God has called both you and those whom you are responsible for to. This is his command to the church. To give it heart, to give it thought, to, to dig into hearing the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So that we can first... And I employ and plea with all of us today that we can succeed at our homes first. Every mother, being a praying mother, of course fathers, but I've already said we'll say fathers for Father's Day. Understanding that every marriage even is going to come to a place one day when its conviction and love for Jesus must overrule the lack of feeling love and even conviction for the marriage maybe that particular day. 
that we're so convicted and in love with Jesus that our love for Christ is motivating us in our family life. Hear that. If you gain anything today, gain that today. Our love for Christ is motivating us in our family life. Let the kiddos come on in and go by the families for the dedications. So we dedicate our children. We dedicate our families to the purpose and to the plan of God. We have, a, we have an awesome, come on in, kiddos. Come on in. We want the kiddos to come in for Mother's Day and want them to be a part of the dedications we're doing today. Come on in, come on in. As we spend time today dedicating these families, I want each one of us on a broader scope to be thinking about or dedicating these children to be thinking about the dedication of our current dedication of our families. Demonstrating for our families what it means to love and to walk with Jesus. Now, I want to I just share this word. Even the kiddos are in here and a lot of these kids were in on Wednesday or Thursday. But, you know, there are families, and I, I, had a, I had just an awesome moment on Thursday night during preaching to the kids. And sort of the picture that I, I got in my heart was kind of a, a recruiter that's from an early age, you know, going and, and finding children with special whatever they're recruiting them for. And, and all of a sudden, I begin to see... I began to see these kids that were in front of me, and I, I knew this already about some, but maybe not as, as many as I began to see on Thursday, but that families, and this is for families right now who potentially have children in your family who are called in works of ministry, maybe called to full-time ministry or works of ministry, and again, this has been exploding in my life just recently all over again in the past two months. But with these children, not only just ministry, but especially those who have this calling upon their life, parents, it's time to get our kids ahead of the game. We have to have a new conviction on the inside of us for every family, every father and every mother whose child has a gifting or a calling and start the training process now. As a matter of fact, I was talking to Christine. I said, there's many families that will be coming and meeting with you soon and talking about your, your children just from experiences that we've had with them and say, this is what, this is what we see and what we'd like to start doing in the days ahead. I was thinking about Alice. Is she in here right now? Alice, when Alice was 14 years old, so a little bit later, but when Alice, our precious Alice, was 14 years old, I, I went to her house one day on just a regular 
visit on a Saturday morning, I believe, and I sat down on her couch with her and her dad and her mother. Of course, her father and mother, the English was broken. Dad spoke no English. Mom spoke broken English. Alice was a translator for all of us. And they began to tell me how Alice was getting sent off to America. And I said, oh, no, don't send her to America. I'm kidding. I didn't. I didn't say it like that anyway. I said, no. I said, give, give us Alice. I looked up and said, don't, don't send her to America. I said, give her to, give her to PC and I. And, and I just, it just came out. Just blah, 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 blah. Give her to us. And I said, on Tuesday or maybe on Monday, I said, come to the office and we want to talk to you. And by Monday or whatever, they came in. Or maybe, no, by Thursday, I said, Dave, sweetheart, you have four days to work on this plan. Alice's family is coming on Thursday to the office. We have to present them a plan to train her and how we're going to walk her through all these things. And by, they came in on Thursday morning. We presented it to them. They left. By Thursday afternoon, they called us back. And all they said to us was, Alice is yours. And that was whatever, eight years ago. And Alice is, Alice is still ours. <laughs> That's why we call her sort of that, our, our China daughter. But just one small example of what I feel like the Lord will continually do on an increasing level in our lives and our families. Our job is to f- discover the giftings. Discover the passions. Don't try to form our, our families into our image. Let's, let's discover and support and form it into the image and purpose that God has called both for our, our marriages, for our children, as well as our church family. In Jesus' name, amen. What I want to do at this time, and we're doing, we're doing a lot today, and thank you for your just adapting with us today, especially if you're here for the first time on this special Mother's Day. But we're going to dedicate some children today, and we're going to do it in the order of, of birth. <laughs> but before we, we do that, I want to just, I want to tell us the significance of child dedication. I'm going to speak this over all the families and children being dedicated today. Then we're going to call them up one at a time, and we're going to pray over them today. But baby dedication is an acknowledgement that God has given to us, really loaned to us, this child that we are to steward and raise up in the ways of the Lord. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I'm going to read you one thing. You're going to say amen and agree with me. Or unless you don't agree with me, you just be quiet. Number two, to acknowledge and to invoke the divine plan and purpose God has for a child. Number three, to ask and to speak divine protection over our babies, over their life, that no devil and or circumstance would get in the way of them fulfilling the plan of God on their life. And everybody said... It is to acknowledge as parents that we need help. All the parents said amen. Amen. Parents need the help of God and 
the support of community to raise our children in godly ways in following the Lord. Amen. Number six, child dedication, like water baptism, is a way of publicly making ourselves accountable to the community of God. We are professing that we are going to raise this child and these children in the ways of God and that we need the support and the accountability of the family of God. And then lastly, the act of baby dedication is for the parents and child dedication. is for the parents as much as for the child that is being dedicated. Both the parents are dedicating their raising and the child is being dedicated to the purpose of the Lord. With that, I'm going to invite my, my wife to to come ahead and join me.